Hello, hello. Buenos dias. How are you guys doing today? Wow, that was kind of tall. I don't know. Should I do that again? Oh, walk back on. Buenos dias. How are you guys doing today? That's awesome. Thank you. I love guys. It's Friday. It's Friday. Also, it's March. What? It's March. That's crazy. Now, let me tell you something. Women have been through it. Women have been through it. And the reason why I mention this is because in the early 1900s, we weren't able to do a lot. We weren't able to be a doctor. We weren't able to farm. We weren't able to pastor people. We have preconceptions of what women should be. And the reason why it's important to talk about women in different roles is because we already have a subconscious that thinks that men have to fill those roles. But it's awesome to talk about the ways that women have also contributed to our history. So it is Women's History Month this month, and it's been so cool to be able to celebrate other months with you guys, but I do want to emphasize that we want to celebrate these on a consistent basis, not just on a certain month or a certain day, but we do want to make a point to blow it up and make sure to make you guys tired of all the celebrations because we want to make sure that we're doing it at all times. Does that make sense? Capiche? Thank you, whoever answered that. And also, as a way for us to celebrate Women's History Month, we have several women speakers for chapel this month. So I got to be one of those this past Wednesday. Um, and we, and I do want to emphasize, we have several women that have preached throughout the past couple of months, which has been so awesome. But we wanted to make sure to make that a point, especially this month as well. So for today, we actually have a guest speaker by the name of Sherry Businitz. And uh, she is um, a friend of Paul's. They know each other because of King's Cross. I don't know if you guys know King's Cross Church in Lyons, Kansas. Um, but they are connected to King's Cross. And she's been a ministry coordinator for the past five years at New Anthem Church in Park City, Kansas. She's spoken here three times before. So it's an honor to have her back so we know it's going to be good. Um, let's give Sherry a warm welcome, everyone. Thanks, Stephanie. Hey, good morning, everybody. You know, Stephanie, that was such a good introduction, and I already learned enough that I'm like, we could probably just go home now. You don't really need to hear another message from me. But uh, like Stephanie mentioned, I am friends with Paul, so we've been talking, and he has shared what he's um, been sharing with you guys this winter so far about what the good life is and what are some... Uh, qualities that you can cultivate in your life for the good life. And he said, if you have any ideas on what to talk about in regards to that. And instantly I was like, yes, I know what I want to talk about. Um, and I would call myself almost um, a professional in the uh, field. And it's not because of education. Um, and it's not because of uh, personal study. It's because it's something I fight every single day of my life. And so I'm sure that some of you can relate to that too. So we're going to be talking about your thought life. And we're going to be talking about the importance of what you think and how it matters. And so in order to introduce this subject, I want to share a story with you. Um, and actually, I don't know that many of you would... Is anybody in here from Michigan? There's no... No, no Michiganders in the room? Well, that's disappointing. Okay, well, I'm going to share a story about uh, a company in Rockford, Michigan. It's called Wolverine Worldwide. Um, my twin sister worked at Wolverine for maybe 10 years. 
and it's a shoe company, and they, they are a $2.5 billion enterprise. So I need you to raise your hand, since we don't have people from Michigan here, I need you to raise your hand if you own a pair of Hush Puppy shoes, Chacos, there we go, Merrill, keep your hands raised, feel it. Saucony, what's the running shoe? You guys some of those? Um, Sperry, although I thought that's, that's kind of out of our price range as college students, isn't it? Sperry's. We have uh, Wolverine and Caterpillar work boots. If there's anybody that ever works, has some leather boots. Stride right, Keds. Any Keds lovers? Okay, so if you own a pair of those shoes, Wolverine Worldwide made them. It's a great company. They take good care of their staff. Um, when my, when my sister worked there, I got, I'd never paid more than $5 for a pair of shoes for like 10 years. It was the best, I was living the best life ever. So, um, good company. Now, the, we're gonna, the next slide is gonna show a picture of the company where they first started operating. This picture's from 1960 in Rockford, Michigan. All those buildings on the left side of those railroad tracks, that's uh, called the tannery. And so back when they made shoes, before they had all these um, manufactured properties, polyester, nylon, spandex, all that. All of your shoes were made out of leathers, obviously. So from 1877 until 1960s, uh, Wolverine Worldwide operated a tannery, and they would tan the hides of animal skins to create leather for shoes. They did that at this property um, for years. They closed down the site in 2012. They were still operating out of that building until 2012. Um, during the course of that time, in the 1960s through the 80s, Wolverine started working with 3M to develop Scotchgard because they wanted to waterproof the shoes. Well, they had excess material every time they created shoes, and they said, what should we do with this? And uh, 3M and the government both said, you can store it underground. That's fine. You can store your excess waste underground. So they did that from the 60s through the 80s, and actually, I think all the way until 2009, they were still storing excess material underground. Well, 2019 hits, and some people in Rockford, Michigan, which, by the way, Rockford is a very nice suburb of Grand Rapids, Michigan. It is a premier place to live, great sports programs, um, lots of people want to live there. In 2019, some people started getting sick. So they tested the water. Their water results showed there were 10,000 times the lifetime recommendation of chemicals drunk through your drinking water. 10,000 times your lifetime is what was present in their drinking water. There are PFAs and PFOs. I'm not a scientist. I don't want to get into all that with you. But the EPA immediately came in and said, we have a toxic site. And so in 2019, Wolverine had to dump millions of dollars and resources into cleaning up 12 acres of property. We can see this slide from 2017. That land up there that's green space, that is a toxic site. That's what they had to clean up. That's what they've been putting money into, trying to clean up that space. Because not only was it toxic materials, it was leaching down into the groundwater. And that river right there is called the Rogue River. It feeds into the Grand River which supplies all of the drinking water for West Michigan. Currently, the site went from 12 acres to 25 acres of toxic materials. With all their efforts in 2019 to clean up the property, still in 2022, they are now applying for super funding from the EPA to clean up their toxic site. This is a big deal. It might only affect 3,000 people with drinking water, but it could eventually impact the entire drinking source for 
3 million people. Um, you've probably heard of the Flint water crisis. This got buried because it wasn't as important as what was happening in Flint, but this could be a big deal. And so what I want us to think about and why I want you guys to have this mental image in your minds while I'm talking is that left unchecked, your thought life can destroy you. We think it's easy to bury things, to not pay attention to them. People can't see that. You know, that green space, no one can see what's happening to the groundwater. It's not a big deal, right? It is a big deal. So we need to talk about being healthy in your thought life, having self-control in your thought life. And there's a lot of different lives that we talk about. We talk about living the good life. You talk about your, your work life. You know, what does that look like? Your professional development. That's something that we focus on, we work on. We talk about your social life. That's where you have a lot of fun. You know, if you have friends, that's great. You like to go out. You like to have a good time. I love being social. I love people. It's good for me. So social life is important. You can talk about uh, your home life. That shaped who you are. That's something that you discuss. But we don't talk about our thought life because it's buried and it's easy to avoid. So I want you to think about this verse, Mark 7, 21. What comes out of a person is what defiles him from... from for from within, out of the heart of the man comes your evil thoughts. Now, I talked to Paul about this. We could go on for two hours about evil thoughts and sin that we have in our heart. But I really want to focus on the fact that we have self-control over our mental life. We can control that. I also thought we could talk for hours about depression and anxiety. And that's, I recognize that's not something you can control, but you can control your thoughts. And so I want to challenge you today. We have to do three things in order to control your thoughts. This hopefully will be very straightforward today when we're talking. We're going to focus on three different things to do to control your thought life and live the good life by developing that self-control. So the first one I want to talk to you about is uh, we need to quit overthinking. Quit overthinking. Everybody say that for me. Very good. Okay, good job. Way to, thank, you for, thank you for participating. Uh, overthinking is, is actually defined as when your brain spins on an idea longer than anticipated. Um, how many of you would label yourselves an overthinker? Okay, good. Some of you might not. My husband is not an overthinker. Like, I can ask him a question, and if he doesn't want to answer it, he can turn his brain off. What a fantastic switch. I wish I had one of those. And just move right on to the next subject. Um, I, on the other hand, will think about that thing until 2 a.m., and then I'm tired, and then I think about four other things, and then I'm lost in my thoughts, and I am an overthinker classically. I cannot, I have a hard time controlling my thoughts. In general, uh, we are wired for overthinking. The average human has 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And so I was telling the sound booth this morning, we were doing sound check, while you sit in this room and listen to me talk, you will have over 1,500 thoughts which means if I get you for like three seconds, I feel like that's a win, right? We, that's how fast we think and how much we think about during the day. And even physically speaking, your brain sends messages through your neurons at 268 miles an hour. So it's no question that we are capable of overthinking and thinking too much and being distracted and worrying about things that we don't have control. But you have to, we have to quit overthinking. Um, 
Proverbs 25, 28 is probably one of my favorite passages when I think about overthinking. And by the way, I'm going to be pulling scripture passages because like I said, this is a subject that's very dear to my heart. I, uh, I have a lot of passages that I've learned to study and apply to my thought life and try to have some self-control. But Proverbs 25, verse 28 is one of my favorites. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. How many times have you not had self-control and left yourself wide open to attack in your thought life? Wide open. That's me. That's what I deal with. If I choose to not have self-control, if I choose to let overthinking do its thing, I'm leaving myself wide open for attack. What a terrible way to live, right? Uh, Being alone in your thoughts is dangerous. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Your heart, where all those overthinking thoughts come from, it's deceitful. It's leading you down the wrong path. We have to turn off those thoughts. So to quit overthinking, I want you guys to think about two different things to quit overthinking. The first one is you have to slow it down. Slow down your thoughts. For me, I, um, I journal, and I actually I'm going to show you a picture of my journal a little bit. But every day I write down what I'm thinking because when I write it down, I write a lot sl- slower than I think. So it slows me down to make sure I know what I'm thinking about. Slow down your thinking. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is find an activity to turn it off. All of us are wired somehow to find like a relaxation button. Um, And usually it's about being active. Because when we're not active, we have more time to overthink. When you're active, you have less time to overthink. So whether it's studying for you guys... Yeah, that might slow you down with your thinking. It might be active, being active in recreation. It might be exercise. For me, very specifically, exercise is my button to turn off my overthinking, and it's swimming. Are there any swimmers in the room? Yes. You guys are, you're my people. I love swimming. I saw a movie just the other day, and a guy in the movie, uh, it, was a, it was a movie about swimming, but he said, uh, Being in the pool is this place of freedom because when he jumps in, he turns off his brain and he follows the black line. And I thought, what a beautiful image. That's me. I turn off my brain. I quit overthinking when I follow that black line. I'm just relaxed. And you need to find that for you. It might be a spot on campus that where you can quit overthinking. I don't know if any of you guys are watching the sunrise or sunset type of people. But if you have a spot, you go find it, you turn off that overthinking. That's not healthy for you to overthink all the time. Turn it off. Quit overthinking. Read a really good book. Spend time with friends. Eat really good food. I don't know what it is for you, but you have to discover it, and you can choose to quit overthinking. So that's step one. Quit overthinking. Step two, we have to get rid of negativity. Say that with me. Get rid of negativity. Let's try one more time. Get rid of negativity. There we go. Very good. Uh, Negativity takes absolutely no work. (laughs) I have a son who's a perfectionist, and I can guarantee you that negativity takes no work when you're thinking with your mental health, with your thought life. You can think about whatever it is very easily. If you're having a bad day, you want to be negative about yourself. You want to be negative about other people that are driving you crazy? You want to think about the world? Fear does not take work. Doubt does not take work. 
uh, they've done a study with um, overthinking. So I told you 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day. Of those, 95% of your thoughts are repeated. So it's not a new, only 5% of your thoughts are new every day. 95% of your thoughts are repeated. Of those that are repeated, 80% of them are negative. You are up against a mountain, are you not, when it comes to your thoughts? I'm sure some of you are relating to this right now, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense why every time I look in the mirror, I think this, this, and this. Every time I show up for class and I feel overwhelmed, I think this, this, and this. We're all susceptible to it. Negativity is a terrible thing for us. And it's not something that we can easily turn off. We have to work at it. We have to have self-control in it. Um, The good news is, for us, is that the more they study the brain, the more they learn about it. I'm sure some of you have already heard about this, but neuroplasticity has, we have the power to physically change the messages that get sent through our brain, right? So if you think a negative thing, one of those repeated thoughts, it travels on the same neuropath every time. But if you choose to create a new thought, it creates a new physical neuropath in your brain. You can retrain your brain to avoid negativity and to think positive thoughts. Um, Some other information, though, when it comes to negativity, uh, the more prevalent Uh, thoughts you have that are negative, the higher risk there is for developing depression and anxiety. So at some level, what you think does affect you physically. And honestly, I'm personally dealing with this right now. My anxiety has physically manifested itself in the last two months. I didn't know if I wanted to share you guys, share this with you because it's embarrassing, but I have, I have psoriasis on my scalp. It's pretty bad. And I'm getting psoriasis spots on my face because I've been under a lot of stress. I'm allowing my thought life, I'm not controlling it, I'm allowing it to think what it wants, and it's manifesting itself physically in my body. That's not cool. Kind of sucks. You guys might experience the same thing. Those thoughts, they tunnel in. They control how you act. They might affect your relationships. They might impact your schoolwork. Negativity is not a good thing. We have to take control of that. If it's not true, if it's not helpful, and it's not kind, you have to let it go. I'm sure you guys have heard that's an ancient Chinese proverb. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? If it's not, you have to grab that thought and let it go. It can't live anymore. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4 Uh, By the way, the passages I'm going to reference here and in the next point, both written by Paul. I don't know if you guys have studied Paul in classes or here in chapel, but uh, he wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, and that dude had a rough life. (laughs) We think our lives are hard. Uh, I wasn't shipwrecked for three days, like floating at sea and living on an island and being imprisoned my whole life for the name of Christ. My life is pretty cushy. Paul had a rough life, and yet everything he wrote encouraged people to focus on uh, the positive and to choose to be encouraging and to be content with what we have. And so all these passages that he writes are very interesting. If you think about what he was going through while he was writing it, he was choosing to get rid of negativity and focus on the positive. 
positive. But 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4, he wrote, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion from Christ. He's talking specifically about false prophets, but this is an interesting passage. He goes on to say, For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus from the one we received, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, uh, you put up with it readily enough. You put up with it. You allow that thought to happen. Your thoughts will be led astray. Uh, another translation said, You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. I don't know if you allow that to happen in your life, but there's definitely times that happens in mine. You know, I could have 20 people encourage me in a day, and one person wants to put me down on social media. What do you think I'm going to focus on? What do you focus on? The negative comment, right? Like, it sucks when people put you down. We get led astray by those thoughts. We need to have self-control in that. It's the one thing I want to encourage you when I think about getting rid of negativity. You cannot be alone in your thoughts. I already said that and quit overthinking too. But when you're alone in your thoughts, you tend to believe lies very easily. Um, I've gotten to the habit in the last five to ten years of uh, telling my husband what I'm thinking and you guys might be like, well, aren't you supposed to do that when you're married? <laughs> uh, in general, I think so much and I talk so fast and I move so fast that I have to choose what I tell my husband. But lately, I've gotten in the habit of uh, saying to him, like, just so you know, I'm not in a good place. Or just so you know, um, the kids... Attitudes were really bad, and we have these conversations. And there's been a few times where I've said, just so you know... I'm really stressed out because of this at work or whatever. And one, the second I say it out loud to somebody else, you know what? It doesn't sound so important, and it doesn't sound so true anymore. It's so easy to trick yourself into believing a lie when you're the only one that's entertaining it. Say it out loud to a friend. Pray about it to God. Write it down. Do not be alone with that negative thought. Do not be alone with that lie. It will destroy you. Okay, so we already talked about quit overthinking. We talked about getting rid of negativity. Well, the thing about negativity is you can't just turn it off and not replace it with something because it's going to creep right back in. So we have the third step is the most important step, and that is create positivity. So I need you to say that one with me. Create positivity. Very good. And now we will feel like we're coming to the portion where... It's a TED Talk. <laughs> you guys are all going to walk out this door with a ton of energy and enthusiasm because you're going to go create positive thoughts, right? Uh, that's the third step. We have to, you, you create your positivity. You get to choose to turn off the negativity and create the positivity. You know, uh, the passage that I really wanted to look at and lead through, this is uh, written in the message paraphrase, but Paul writes it in Philippians 4, verse 6. I have this written down on a sticky note on my uh, laptop right now, but it says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of, center of your life. <clears throat> we get to create positivity. We get to let God calm us down. We get 
to choose to pray over it. We get to choose to let it go. We get to choose to focus on what God wants us to focus on. So creating positivity, the first thing you got to do, a good start, or a good start to your day is when you have a good thought. When you wake up in the morning and you think it's going to be a good day, guess what direction you're going? When you wake up and you think, I slept in, I only have two minutes to get ready, guess what day your direction your day usually goes, right? You guys ever do that? Uh, I will tell you, just to warn you, if you choose to get married and have kids, uh, children can make your mornings always feel like this. <laughs> uh, they tend to uh, wake up frazzled and not excited to go to school, and they uh, are very picky about what they want to eat, and so it can instantly do this to you. But if you wake up with that intentionality, today is going to be a good day. It's instantly going to change the direction of your thoughts. It's going to change how you react to things. I want you to focus on the solution and not the problem. It's so easy to only see problems, right? But with every problem, the follow-up question is, what's the solution? What, how am, what am I going to control in this? What am I going to do? How can I do this? Set a goal. There's ways to be positive when we do that. I want to show you um, something from my prayer journal. That would be, uh, yeah, this. Uh, I've written it differently every day, but I have written this statement out every day for the last three weeks. Every day I've written this down. And today I wanted to share what I wrote down this morning. I wrote, today is a good day. God is my biggest fan. God loves me and pursues me. I am never alone. I matter and I make a difference. Every day, it's a variation of that. I have to speak those truths out loud over me in order to choose positivity and create positivity in my life. There's another picture I want to share with you. This, I thought, was fantastic. I'm kind of a, an Olympics nut. I love uh, Olympics. I don't know if you guys watch this. But this is, uh, let's see if I can say her name right, Fujisawa Satsuki. Uh, she is a Japanese curler. If you know anything about curling, uh, Japanese usually aren't good at it, <laughs> nor, nor are uh, Americans, although we had that one fluke in uh, whatever, 2018. Um, usually we have some Northern European teams that are very good at curling, uh, but it's just, you know, shuffleboard with big rocks. I love curling. She was caught on camera, and she has this written on her hand. It says, I am a good curler. I have confidence. Let's have fun. I love that because I tell you what, if I went to the Olympics on a team of a sport that I knew I probably would not be successful in, I would probably be walking into that arena every day with negative thoughts floating in my head. I'm not good enough. There are teams that are better than me here. I don't know if I want to do this, right? Negative thoughts seep in. She made a choice to have confidence to remind herself what's true, that she is a curler. That's true. She's at the Olympics. She's a curler. She has confidence. That's something that she chose to do, and she wanted to have fun. I thought, how awesome is that? I sh that should be my new daily affirmation that I write down because I think that would energize me every day. But positivity changes everything. You know, people that set goals and verbally express them, um, we're four times more likely to reach their goal. So to say out loud, it's going to be a good day today, you are four times more likely to have a good day. 
On top of that, people that set goals and said them out loud were 78% less likely to overthink. Let's talk about being able to turn off your thoughts. That's a step in the right direction. Uh, Philippians 4.8, to continue the passage that we looked at a second ago that Paul wrote, he says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best things, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. How often do we think those things? How often do you think the beautiful, not the ugly? The best and not the worst. Things to praise, not things to curse. Tell you what, two things that make me have negative thoughts faster than anything else in life is Kansas weather and drivers, right? Like instantly, yes, thank you. Instantly set you in a bad mood. And I let that thing control my mood for at least an hour and a half after that, right? Even today, like today's going to be a great day because it's warm out. Oh, but 50 mile an hour winds, so I'm not going to enjoy my day. I'm choosing that. I'm choosing to let that impact me. I have to choose positive thoughts. I have to choose to praise and not to curse. I have to choose the best, not the worst. I have to choose what's beautiful and not what's ugly. It's my choice. It's your choice. You can choose a good life by choosing your thought life. You can choose what direction you go by making an effort to think about what's true and good and not what's faulty or negative. It's not easy. And it's probably something that we will fight the rest of our lives. But it's worth it. It's totally worth it. For all I know, you guys might be stuck living in central Kansas your whole lives, right? That's what I told myself when I moved here. I'm stuck living in central Kansas my whole life. Some of you guys are like, I'm not stuck. I love it here. That's a good attitude. That's a good mental thought. Uh, I had a desire to serve God anywhere in the world. I wanted to go anywhere in the world. I wanted to be on the front lines of mission work. I wanted to be meeting people. I wanted to be telling them about Jesus for the first time. That's what I wanted to do. And God put me in central Kansas as a stay-at-home mom raising two kids. Talk about disappointing, right? But I chose my attitude. And I recognized that that was my mission field. And that was where God wanted me. And oh my goodness, how good is God's will that he gave me two kids to teach and raise the right way. Those kids will make a difference for the rest of their lives because God gave them to me and allowed me to affirm them in their growing up years as they're being sent out. You have the power to change your thoughts, okay? And I want to think about, I want you guys to say one affirmation out loud before we close. And I want you to say, I matter. I want you to say, I matter to God. If you can think those two things every day, it's going to change your outlook. And I don't know where you fall in your relationship with Christ. I don't know if you've been following him for years. I don't know if this concept is brand new to you. It doesn't matter what you think about God, but he thinks about you that you matter. 
And you matter so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. He created you with his attributes. You are smart. You are passionate. You are skilled. You're beautiful. That's all because God created you that way. He wants you to live that way. So we're going to quit overthinking. We're going to remove negativity. We're going to create positivity. And you will live a good life in your thought life. Let's pray about this. And we're going to have a good day. Are we going to have a good day? We're going to have a good day. Yes. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much that we're together. Thank you that we have freedom to worship you, to learn more about you, Lord. Thank you that you give us the opportunity to control our thoughts. Um, this is hard, Lord. This is hard for me, and I don't know who's in this room that it might be hard for, Lord. I just pray that you work in our hearts today. Help us to see how to um, speak truth over our lives, to get rid of the negativity that creeps up, Lord, um, to serve you wholeheartedly, and to have a good weekend. I just pray that we can continue to pursue you in our studies and in your word and learn more about how you've wired us. But um, God, we're just really, really grateful that you give us the opportunity to control our thoughts. So thank you for this time. In your name we pray, amen.